Hi, and welcome to the CAFMA Connect. I'm your host, Fire Chief Scott Freitag, and with me again today is our co-host, Assistant Chief of Operations, John Fetima. Hi, John. I think you can stop introducing me by now, because uh, so far, it's still the same. Yeah, and you know what? Our, our, our viewership has gone down, according to our producer, Jonah Van Tile, <laughs> which is, uh, obviously, it's it's because of the people on the camera. It's definitely not the producer, but, uh, you know, we do have the longer podcast that should come out in December. I would think it's a more of a reflection on me. I would gladly allow you to bring in somebody uh, of better talent. Well, it's not better talent, but I think uh, we were talking before we started about some different perspectives on some things um, and some ideas. So some of you out there who may or may not be watching, you may have been volunteered for something that you're not aware of yet, but you will be. (laughs) And you can thank Chief Fatima for that. So. Um, John, you know, you may be asking why there is a fire helmet on the table, uh, or you may not be, No, but you know, we had a Turkey last time and it just, I thought it added something to the background. So, um, it was my great grandfather's helmet. I thought it would look cool on the table for this week. So I, it does brought it. Yeah. It's kind of cool. And it breaks up the color. So, um, this is our cliff notes of the review. For those not aware, the review is the publication we put out every Friday to personnel inside CAFMA. It also goes to folks outside. For those who have not subscribed, you can subscribe to it. For those who are subscribed that don't want to be, you can unsubscribe. And for those who work here, you don't have a choice. You just get it. There's no unsubscribe for you. But a couple of weeks ago, John, we talked about uh, communication and one of the the over this Thanksgiving weekend that that just happened or just passed, I was talking to some peers for a virtual cocktail, and we were discussing some things in the fire service, something we don't often think about, and it had to do with, hey, what do you do on a fire scene when you have a belligerent patient and they're saying some things? And so that got me thinking about the topic and have we done enough? And then I thought, you know, the 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 saying that silence is golden. So I looked it up and it, the saying is actually speech is silver and silence is golden, which just triggered in my mind. Well, what about the listening component that we didn't discuss last time? So this week's review, the chief's desk portion of it could actually be two separate reviews. It's not that long. You can still read it. It's the same length. Um, I was actually succinct. However, it is. So the, the chief's desk takes on two components. Um, the first one is just active listening, the art of listening to people. I know you're really good at that because you don't I'm like words. Sh- I think I'm doing just fine. You just keep on going. <laughs> I'm all right. So we, we talk a little bit about listening and, and what it takes to listen to someone and, and really listen to the message. Because anytime you listen to someone else speaking, you're listening through your own filters. And a lot of times we listen to respond rather than oh, yeah. listen to understand. Yep. No, it, uh, oftentimes, like you say, it's listening to respond back to you. Some people are harder to listen to than others. But, uh, yeah, really, it's if we're truly listening to what's being said and trying to understand what's being said, it's, it's listening to get a better grasp of what you're saying, relate to what you're saying. And then I think you put it in the review. It's asking those clarif- clarifying questions to kind of figure out uh, what you were trying to get across. And that's why email, you put it in there, email is so bad because you don't get to ask those questions. You don't get to ask those clarifications that you do in a, in a conversation. Right. Well, and, and sometimes we, we hear 
one thing and the person's trying to get across a different message than what we're hearing. And that's where the feedback loop is so important because at that point, I need to ask you for clarification because I may, uh, I may perceive you saying one thing. And if I'm not careful, if I don't have emotional intelligence and professional maturity, um, I may react to that immediately when that isn't what you're trying to say at all. And then the conversation kind of spirals. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, you can usually tell when someone uh, is listening to respond because before you usually get the complete words out, they're giving you the rebuttal. They're giving you what uh, you think you should be believing or whatever it is uh, versus somebody who truly is listening, truly is understanding. And you can, you can tell that in the difference in the conversation normally. And so when we have a conversation with someone, it, it is important that it's an active listening process, not just a word process. And there are people who listen silently and those there are those who listen loudly. Unfortunately, you know, the, the different styles, people figure out how to make them work. But I feel like if I'm listening loudly, which means you're talking and then I'm talking, um, then I'm not actually listening. I'm just talking. And we could be on two separate topics. And because neither one of us is actually listening, we don't even realize. <laughs> you get to the end and you, you move on. <laughs> right. It, 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 but so much of communication, we talked last time, a majority of our communication, 80% roughly, is nonverbal. And so if 80% is nonverbal and we're not listening and we're not paying attention, um, and that means we're not picking up the verbal portion of it, so we're losing some of those cues, and we're not listening, and we're, we're just not getting to a place we need to be. So if you want more specifics about what we're talking about in active listening, um, it, it's in the review this week. I think it's an important topic for you to read on. But if it's not something you're interested in, if you say, look, I already I know that. I don't need to be told. Great. Jump to the next section because the next section I think is uh, the topic triggered me when we talked about it over the weekend. And the scenario is uh, a fire department somewhere had an African-American firefighter who was on scene treating a patient. The patient was belligerent and using racially charged language. And we see that. Absolutely. On scenes. I mean, when we, when we respond to someone they're not in their right mind generally or on their best day. And, yeah, no doubt. And sometimes they are in their right mind, mm-hmm. but obviously we're there to, to treat them and, and do the best to help them. Right. And it, but even if, if they're in their right mind, if they're not, if they're on drugs or they're intoxicated, whatever, it doesn't excuse Correct. the language. And whether it's an African-American firefighter, a, a gay or lesbian firefighter, a female firefighter. It, it doesn't matter who it is that language is inappropriate, but we can't always control it on the fire scene. And what we don't want to do is turn it into a shouting match. Yeah, absolutely. Because we don't get anywhere. Yeah, no. And uh, like you say, a lot of times uh, there could be intoxication. It could be a, a number of reasons why they are acting like they're acting. I remember one of the first calls I went to, and uh, there was, a, was an elderly woman that f- had fallen, and we uh, she had hurt herself. We had strapped her to a backboard. She was intoxicated. And I remember she called me every name in the book with conviction. And that was the, my first experience with, uh, with that. And uh, it, it stuck with me just because it was all new. And uh, she had no intention. She had hit her head. She was still intoxicated. She had no ill will, but if you would listen to the language, you would have thought otherwise. Right. And really, it was about not reacting, not uh, re- really responding with a whole lot than just being there to help right. and move on. And, you know, what we're saying sounds reasonable, I think, to everyone. 
Um, but I think they may also take it, it, it where we're at in the conversation as, okay, well, we can't do anything, so I guess we just step back. Well, there's a, a couple things that you want to look at. One, as John said, you don't want to react. There's a video out there because, remember, everywhere you are today on a call, you're on video. Oh, yeah. And there were some firefighters and police officers and paramedics who were around a patient who was being belligerent, and then either one of the firefighters or medics walks up and kicks the patient in the head. That is not what we expect you to do. That would be the opposite of anything that we would advocate for. Uh, you know, you have to maintain your professionalism. However, there is a point where someone on the crew should say, listen, sir or ma'am, that language is not appropriate. I need to ask you to stop so that we can treat you. Uh, yes, and I agree. And the expectation at this point is that someone, if no one else, is that company officer yes. or the, 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 the leading officer on that call should be the one stepping up. And if nothing else, addressing the language, addressing the issue. Um, that way everybody else on the crew can see that as well. Because uh, no different what you mentioned, the worst thing they can do is uh, – say nothing and then uh, follow up and do nothing. Right. Uh, we can't control it. And what you may be able to absorb as a company officer or anybody else, somebody else in the crew may not be able right. to absorb that. And I think that's where you see the reactions. Um, there's a number of um, videos out there that include firefighters hitting and striking um, restrained patients uh, because the person's belligerent, right. the person's going after them over and over and over and they react. And it's the, the responsibility of that commanding officer at that point to step in, at least say something so that everybody else understands, yes, we see this is going on. It's not appropriate. We can't necessarily put a muzzle on the person. Sure. But uh, we've addressed, at least at this point, an understanding that it's not appropriate. Right. Well, and in this other fire department situation I was talking about, the the individual who the language was targeted or, or who it was thrown at, um, the, the issue that individual had was the company officer never acknowledged it, never said, Hey, are you okay? What we would expect is for someone to say, Hey, that language isn't appropriate. Address it best you can on the scene, understanding we can't control all of it. But then after the fact, as you get on the engine, just as an officer say to your crew, Hey, that was inappropriate language. I, I can't believe those things were said. So-and-so are, are you Okay. Everybody okay with this? Yeah, it's no different than following up with a traumatic incident. Right. You don't know how everybody is going to respond to what happens on scene. And uh, the expectation that the company officers are uh, following up and have a good understanding of what their crew is feeling during that time. Right. No, and, and, and the same thing goes in the fire station because we have we have an obligation to protect our employees from harassment, harassing environments. On the incident scene, we're limited. But when we're in the fire station, we have more opportunity, more flexibility in that because if it's an outside person or a vendor, we can ask them to vacate the premises. Yeah. And in the administrative offices, we can do the same thing. We can provide focus and clarity and ask you to vacate the premises if you can't keep it together. And then if they won't, we can call our friends in blue and say, can you please provide focus and clarity for this individual as you're escorting them from the scene? But then the incident isn't over until we sit down with the person who was the target of the incident and say, hey, this was absolutely inappropriate. Here's what we've done to try to address it. Are you okay? Is there anything that you need right now? Yes. And the expectation of the organization is that when you are making that confrontation in return 
and working to whether it's you know stifle it remove the person that you're doing in a professional manner right because uh, all too often you can try to use position or rank or whatever it is as a, a level of authority and a level of power and sometimes you have none other than you can communicate with the person and call our friends in blue to uh, come help remove them but using aggression is not going to usually help if that's what they're bringing to the table as well. No. So it's it's finding a creative way to try to um, de-escalate, de-escalate the situation and uh, and move forward. And for our folks, just as a reminder, don't be the problem. Yeah. So the the patient may say some things, but don't don't become the problem yourself by yeah. uh, becoming too engaged and reacting to the situation, but. You know, I think the bottom line is, John, maintain emotional intelligence, uh, exercise professional maturity, um, and take care of our folks. Yes. And and acknowledge when something happens. So uh, two articles this week, uh, very basic. The first one is a guide to attracting talent and government uh, delivering better employee experiences is key. And I think that's something that we've talked about, we're working on. This article really delves into some of the, uh, and this is Jonah's area, uh, the website, the social media, how are we using technology to make life better for our folks? And we don't think of that often in the fire service, but even the military is starting to use that yeah. Good. to attract people. It's amazing to me. They, I, I heard on Jocko's podcast once they were talking about um, some are starting to use some of the gaming oh. as an attraction. You know, you've got drones, you have all these things. Um, there's not a lot of people with, experience and background in special forces to recruit to special forces. They're basically out of high school. Yeah. Yep. Here's a gun. Here's some stuff. Go deal with this. So the second one is when the sun goes down, nighttime fire ground operations and training. Um, you know, it's just a good reminder for our folks that uh, we have to train the way we play mm-hmm. and calls don't always come in at the opportune time of day. Uh, it's that time of year where it's dark, like five o'clock, which is killing me. Well, it's nice to get your ISO required uh, night drill. It makes it a lot easier when it's dark by five. Right. Yeah, it absolutely is. So just a reminder and some, some background and information on why we train at night, uh, especially as we, we move into quarterly training. And hopefully we'll get that back up and running, running into a few challenges right now, but overall uh, pretty good. So, uh, John, anything else to add this week? No, sir. I didn't think so. All right. Well, once again, uh, thank you for uh, tuning in to the Kaufman Connect. Uh, Until next week, uh, don't react, respond to people. Thank you.